I, I just, real quick. Can we unpack? I welcome Kyle Cody Radio, the Edge of the Apocalypse. I have to say something. I have to say something. Um, I really liked your sermon on Sunday. Yeah, really liked your sermon on Sunday. But I have to say, I think we we missed a big. We should have, we should have been marketing marketing pizza with pastors different. I I think we and I think on Sunday we came up with some good other good names. And yesterday we were talking about some too. Uh, vegetables with the vicars. Yeah, you. I mean, that's yeah. I mean, I think that's a good one. And then and then what did you say? You said you said that we should do yesterday because we like to we like to barbecue and smoke meat. Was it? I didn't say anything. membership and meat. Oh, we should do. We should do yeah. membership and meat. Yeah, like meet with the members. I said, but you had said meet with the ministers on Sundays. So I do yeah. like meet with the ministers too. Yeah, meet with the ministers. I kind of think there's a handful of things. Or meet the ministers. Yeah, but you change the meat to M E A T. I we all got that. I don't think you needed to like spell it out. But yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah. Is that more yeah. like you're putting the ministers on a, on a rotisserie? Yeah, that's kind of what I felt like. That's how so. that is actually would be if we had like the Star Wars calling us in as the like. No, this graphic. is not what we meant, Cheryl. If you're listening, actually, really funny. You want to meet the meet the ministers graphic with Cody and I on rotisseries? We're yes. down. You can make it. Yeah, we won't feel offended. We'll not the ministers great. are meet. Yeah, yeah. Meet the ministers. I'm Han Solo though. Make him Luke Skywalker. I'm Han Solo. Yeah, yep. it's more accurate to our personalities. Yeah, that's. Uh, that's actually, I have the force. That's actually true, so yeah. I have the yeah. force. Yeah. So. <laughs> does that mean I'm saved and you're not? <laughs> uh, does it mean one of my sons is going to, never mind. <laughs> uh, your sermon was great, though. I, I, I actually, my, my mother and father were here, and they really loved it, especially because of the theme of what you were discussing with family. We've been talking about family this whole series, and... Um, I feel like it's been really good. I don't, I, I see, I get to work with teenagers and kids all the time. And I think that the biggest issues that I tend to have within family ministry are because of the personal or the interpersonal dynamic between moms and dads and, and um, their teenagers and trying to figure out how to be kind and loving Um and have good relationships, and I think I think what, how you framed it was that honor is at the honor is at the heart of all of it, right? Right. So, I really, um, I really like that, and I liked what you said. I liked how you said there's because we were talking about talking about one of the things you talked about was the influence that a kid has in his life and expanding the circle, and we're gonna we're gonna talk more about that this Sunday. I know that for sure. Um, you know, as we continue to about, talk about, I mean, the I don't series. think I ever said anything about expanding the circle in my sermon. I'm saying, I'm saying yeah. that's what we that's what we that's normally call content. it. Are you just so you know? At you, Heart of Lakes, uh, that's a what prelude? we no. Prelude at Heart of Lakes, that is what we refer to it as yeah. in, our, in our family ministries. When yeah. when you are as a family, you have additional people who love the Lord outside of your family who are pouring into your kids. That's called expanding. That's called expanding the circle. Now he didn't say that on Sunday, but that is something that we're going to yeah. talk about. That's a that's a normal natural phrase within our our family ministry. Yeah, I mean, I did want I did want to take credit for something I didn't say in the sermon, just in case somebody actually is listening to this and heard the sermon, but he didn't say that. Not yet. Wait till next week. We'll say that. But if you're listening to this somewhere in the distant future, I did say that. 
at some point. <laughs> the distant future, yeah. the year 2023. <laughs> Hello, future people of the world. <laughs> wow. Uh, so, yeah, but so talk, talk a little bit about, uh, about where your heart, I, I wanted to know what your heart is behind this. And I know I was talking to somebody else, like, why is it important? Do you think that we talk about family in church? Like, well, I mean, cause families are generally struggling right now in this modern world before COVID and essentially, especially post COVID. Like, I mean, as I talk to people who work with families, social, like um, not just like social service coordinators, counselors, teachers, there's an obvious breakdown of family. I mean, it's not a secret. It's a problem in society. Nobody's doing anything about it because politicians are fighting with each other for pieces of a pie that no one cares about when really what we should all care about is strengthening family across our, our nation for the future. And we're instead we're seeing the, the disintegration of family. Yeah. It's sad. Yeah, it's it's tough too because I think for a long time society had been dealt a pretty steady diet of misinformation about how they needed to conduct themselves in family, right? Like, so one of the one of the one of the things that my wife and I talk about all the time is the rate of divorce. And you talk, you've mentioned this in your in the series is that the rate of divorce within committed Christian people should be we we are we are much lower than the rest of the. Right. right, that that doesn't necessarily factor in when they talk about all half of all marriages end in divorce. But the truth is, like healthy, active followers of Christ, I would say active followers of Christ, um, don't account. It's it's three out of four marriages have success, right? Yeah, right, yeah. about roughly, right. So, um, you know, when when we talk about that, I I think that's a huge part. I would say don't get divorced. I don't know if that's the Metric for success of staying together yeah. because like success is a happy, healthy marriage and family, but they don't get divorced. Um, the divorce rate is much lower, and so yeah. um, there are there are people who are very miserable that are married to each other and aren't divorcing. But um, I would say by by and large, yeah. um, they have you know they work towards that happy, healthy family and, and marriage. So, and I don't think if you would ask anybody, that's not what they're shooting for, right? I don't. There's. I don't know anybody that goes into marriage. I mean, we don't like, ever go to a shooting range and say, "I'm going to try to miss the target intentionally." Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, look, like, it's marriage target. Yeah, let's exactly. hit, let's not hit this. So. Yeah, it's like the whole idea is like when people get into it, they have. But the problem is, and we talked about this too. We've talked about this before too. It's like there's mismanaged expectations. There's a failure to communicate with each other health in a healthy way. People harbor bitterness and resentment. Like yeah. you know, not establishing but, good rules of exactly. Us. Yeah. Which is something that you and Patty are doing. You guys are going over the rules of us. Um, so if you haven't, you can you can go ahead and check out that YouTube. It's uh, rules underscore of underscore us. And you can check that out on YouTube. He's not going to promote it, but no. I will. The videos are fantastic. They kind of outline what good ways to communicate with your spouse are, how you can um, maintain a good marriage, and really how to, how to set good, healthy. There are good boundaries in marriage. I think that's a misconception. Like that when you get married, there are no boundaries. There actually are good boundaries. Right. And I'll say this. I mean, eating Twinkies every meal of every day for the next five years, it doesn't make you a hostess. No. Just like operating in a broken marriage and family every day for the next five years doesn't make you a good family. I'm not sure how good that analogy was. 
I'm gonna I mean, be honest with you. Know, hostess makes. I, I I know, but I just uh, I don't. I think that was a jump. I, I we're gonna go. We're gonna go in another direction. So when we talk about families and marriage, producer and Mark how, doesn't yeah. even know the hostess yeah. makes Twinkies. Yeah. So. Producer Mark yeah. is like that yeah. joke was not funny. Yeah. So we're moving on. He, he totally yeah. missed that he's, joke. No, I knew the joke. No, it just <laughs> wasn't funny. Yeah, he's like it's a terrible funny. joke. Man. Yeah, I we, tried. We might edit that out. It was that bad. No, um, no. Uh, <laughs> so why do you uh, like when we talk about this? I know I see this correlation all the time. But how do you think? What do you think about the correlation between unhealthy marriages and how it trickles down into the family unit with kids? I think we have unhealthy marriages because we have unhealthy relationships with our deity. I mean, I really, and I think that trickles down into our marriages. And I think then when our kids watch the, our broken relationship with the Lord lived out in a broken relationship with another person, they then emulate that because we we are a lot. I mean, I'm, I am my parents in many ways, whether I, I like that or not. And there's times I'm really proud to be like my mom and my, proud to be like my dad. There's times I'm not. There's things I didn't want to be like my mom and dad. But, you know, we become our parents. We really do. And so if your parents have a broken marriage and a broken life that has a broken relationship with the Lord, you are going to emulate that in many ways. And some of that's just nurture and you can't control it and it will be ingrained in you for the rest of your life. Because we we know this, right? The majority of a child's views and beliefs in life are, are set in stone by the time they get to 13. Yeah. After which, you really aren't going to change them very like much. Like, they're major convictions. I mean, they're major convictions about who they are, about what Who what God is, is, about the world, politics. Yeah. What their place is in the world. I mean, thir- by 13, they pretty much have made up the core beliefs that make up who they are. So, I that's what, when we talk about it, it's so crucial in children's ministry that we're teaching virtues and life apps that help steer and direct that. Because when kids walk away from church, we want, one, we want kids to walk away from church in a way where they go, they're excited. They're excited to be part of church, but also that they learn the basics of their faith through mm-hmm. easy, palpable things. Because the truth is, we're supposed to be, as a church, biblically, we're supposed to be partnering with parents and raising right. their kids to love the Lord. We're not actually the, place. We're not the place that does it. It like, used to be we got four hours a week with kids. Yeah. Now we get one hours a month. I mean, that's much, that's yeah. the average. Most yeah. people attend once a month at best, maybe twice. That's post-COVID. Yeah. And I'm not con- counting online attendance because, you know, people attend online. But that's not the same as being in person. It's just not. It will yeah. never replace in-person community in the church. And so we used to get four hours, a, a, you know, four hours a month. Now we get one. And so we can't replace the family. We can't even really... Other than encourage families to do better, that's about all we get a chance to do. We don't even get a chance to really help those families in the process because they're not here enough for us to help them learn and grow how to be better families. And so for us, that's, I think, the most frustrating thing post-COVID is, like, online is not enough to help for us to help families. All right, can I talk about a hot-button topic? You and yeah. I both agree on this. I know we both agree on this. One of the biggest frustrations I've Twinkies. seen— is the one of the oh, I will tell you this that my biggest frustration, my biggest frustration in student ministry, is the lack of commitment from parents to to encourage to structure their kid their kids' lives to make church a priority. Not just youth group; that's not what I'm talking about. But to make church. A priority. I think if you ask parents, they would say, "I want my kids to grow up and go to church and take mm-hmm. their kids to church," but they don't do anything to make that happen. No, now because but, that requires sacrifice of their personal time and freedom, and they're not willing to do it. But here's the other piece, okay? Here's the other piece. Extracurriculars 
have had more of a negative impact on kids' development, right, as followers of Christ, as commit, committed members of the body of Christ than anything else, and it's continued to get worse over the years. I've watched it get worse empirically. Like, it used to be that there was nothing on Wednesday nights, right? There was no programming. Yeah, there yeah. were no games, nothing, because Wednesday nights was a night where churches, the majority of churches in a community, would have midweek programming. Well, as that shifted and they started to get put games on Wednesday nights, now they're starting to have practices or rehearsals or so on and so forth on Sundays, right? And the truth is, I, I know that you and I both had this. Like, our parents were like, you're not missing youth group. I'm sorry. Like, it doesn't matter. If you got stuff, I remember this. We had a huge swimming invitational that we had that we, there was like 16 teams were there and it was all day. And I had, I had our winter retreat that was coming up, mm-hmm. right? And it was that weekend. And my mom said, you can swim as many, as, as many uh, events as you can. Until you have to leave and go to winter winter retreat. I thought your mom would have told you there's no swimming in hell because <laughs> it's a lake of fire. What? <laughs> and they, you better go to church. Yeah, that's, a, yeah, that, that's a good. So, so I was like, yeah. So they, but I mean, that's what that was. That was the commitment my mom had. And I remember football. I was out. It was five because we had youth group from six to eight. It was. Yeah. I was out at five thirty from football. It didn't matter if we were still in practice. I at five thirty. I was leaving, and my mom knew it, and it never affected. It never affected my playing time. It never affected, like, because my mom made that commitment. We both believe that if God has a plan for you, it doesn't matter how many times you miss a practice or a game. You can't miss everyone. But, like, if if you are, God has a plan that you're going to excel in something, you will excel in something by choosing God, not by not choosing God. I'll be honest with you. Parents make that mistake all the time. And we're not anti-extracurricular. I mean, I did did everything. I know. And I do. I want my kids to How many varsity letters did you have? All of them. Yeah, right? Yeah. I had a, so. I had 11 out of 12 that you could possibly get. And yeah. We couldn't letter our freshman year in football. So it was yeah, like, I, I had to do three, yeah. letters a, three letters a year. Yeah. So, yeah. I so had them, I had them all. So, yeah. Um, so, you know, so that was the thing. So, yeah, we didn't miss out on anything, but what do those letters matter now? Nothing. 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 They're Did on they a even matter to me then? Bin no. somewhere, they right? matter to they matter to my parents then they, more than me. I didn't really care. Like, yeah, it's fun to be varsity as a freshman, um, but like ultimately, none of that stuff really matters. Like, what matters is the Lord long term. Yeah, I mean, I when it, when I look at when I look at athletics, and I I I always remember athletics fondly. Like, I, it's not like I look back and I'm like, oh man, I wish I wouldn't have done that. I am so thankful that I did sports year round. It was great. I'm thankful I that kids. I did sports. I'm yeah. not. I'm not necessarily thankful I did it year round. I missed a lot of stuff. Yeah. And now that I'm spending life with my kids, I'm recognizing oftentimes how much I missed. And so, yeah. um, I think we emphasize it way too much. Oh yeah. And there's a healthy balance, and I don't know that I had a healthy balance um, at times, and I, I don't know that it was always my choice. Well, did you feel like because you get done? We got so we would have. So for track, we would have regionals and state, and then we were done like June. And then we were already, by July, we were already back into football practice. Like we were already there. So it was maybe six weeks that you got in the summer where you didn't have stuff every day. I, I think I, I got like a year, a week off each between each season because I yeah. went to another sport. Immediately there was a week off. And then when I finished my summer sports, I was already in summer wrestling. And that was, you know, I did that all summer until football started back up again. Yeah. So, like, I didn't really ever have a break. When I went to college, it was the same thing. We got a week off after the season, and we went back into spring training. So it's just like that was my life from as far as I can remember through 
basically graduating college. And I, I missed a lot. I, I missed a lot of developing relationships and friendships. I mean, I had friendships, but I, they could have been deeper. There could have been different things I could have done. I could have, I could have had more experiences with my family. And although we had great experiences of family, it was all wrapped around the sports culture and world and, and this idea that you have to excel to be, to be someone. And, and I did excel, but I don't think it was because I, I was athletically better than I would think. I think God had a plan for me and he used sports to, to make that plan happen. Yeah. And he can for your child too, if you're listening, but if that's not the plan and you're trying to force it, all you're going to do is make your child miserable. You're going to make you, you're miserable and you're going to sacrifice probably their relationship with the Lord in many ways to try to get this achievement that's really not in the cards for them. Mm-hmm. And I do believe God has a plan for each child, each person. And you have like whole, the Bible talks over and over again about figuring out the will of God for yourself and for your family. And so if you're just trying to force the will of God, what good is that doing your family and your children and your marriage? Yeah. I, I, yeah. And, and I, I'm not saying, listen, my mom, my mom pushed me athletically. She pushed me to be, to have good fitness. Like, I think those are good things. I I don't think that we're going to sit here and say that like you parents that you shouldn't push your kids either. If your kid, our our whole thing was, if you make a commitment, if you make a commitment to a sport, you're going to see it out. For the whole thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, if you start a season, that was always my mom and dad's rule. If you start a season, you end that season. That was my parents' rule, too. But I'm like, as an adult, I see some kids just need, they're just not going to, they're not going to yeah. do it. That's not their thing. And so making them finish it just makes them miserable, makes you miserable. So I do think there's exceptions to every rule. I think there's a time where you just know if your kid's not going to ever be athletically good at soccer and you force them to finish the season. I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Like, I, I've made my kids finish the things they started, but, like, it makes me miserable and them miserable. I don't really know what the win is other than that's what my parents did, so that's yeah. what I do. But is that the right thing? I don't know. That's like a, I don't know. I always felt like I always felt like it helped my mom. It helped me with understanding commitment. Like, if right. you say you're going to do good. something, even if you commitment. don't want to, do it. Like, yes, there, that, there's a lot of things that we say yes to that we probably shouldn't. So I, I like this. I always like this phrase. Don't, don't complain about something you said yes to. Just make sure you don't say yes again. Right? Like, yeah, don't complain. Yeah, about, if you said yes to something, do it without complaint. Do it the best of your ability. But if you didn't like it, don't do it again. Right? And that, it's that simple. Right? So, but it's, it's not wrong to push your kids to try and make, your, make sure your kids are trying to achieve something good. But it's also like what what well, is never the know. most what's the biggest win? Yeah. Right? Yeah. What's the biggest win? You just gotta try it. And ultimately we we got into this whole conversation because extracurriculars have have taken over and they have this idea that your kids have to achieve at these young levels to have future success, I think it's just asinine. It's not in scripture. There's nothing that says your children have to achieve and be successful in sports and, and music and band and all this stuff to be successful later in life. Mm-hmm. Like success is determined in scripture by adherence to God's word and the relationship with Christ. That's it. That's if you, if you have success means you spend eternity in glory with Jesus, no sport, no extracurricular is ever going to bring that. And the problem is we get it wrong. And maybe that's what we do. Maybe we do a whole series on what is success. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can do it. It was part of the ministry of the bleacher. Like what's the point? of all of this because ultimately we got it wrong for me only thing i care about for my kids is that they love jesus that's it and so no sport's going to force that to happen no extracurricular is going to force that to happen what i'm trying to do is love my kids and love them and help them have a relationship with jesus and they love being at our church they love having relationships here i want them to have as little church damage as possible and church hurt as they grow which they really haven't gotten here it's been great um 
but ultimately that's that's the plan and if they play sports along the way great if they don't i don't really care if they play music along the way great if they don't i don't care all i care is they love the lord and they build they build a family where their kids love the lord because that's what i'm called to mm-hmm. and that's it and that's hard for people to understand because that's not what culture says culture says you need to be successful in all these extracurriculars to be anybody and to worth anything and that's just not what god's word says mm-hmm. yeah yeah i mean and that's i mean you and i both played i mean you obviously played the university of michigan I ran track in college. I don't think any either one of us had less success because we were focused on Jesus in our high school years. But in fact, I would argue I had more success. I had more success for sure. I had more success. So if if parents, if you're listening to this and you've got you've got questions, you've got comments, you've got concerns about your kids, you want them to be an extracurricular, or your parent who doesn't care if they're involved in anything, either way. Their connection to the body of Christ should be the most important connection they have. It shouldn't be their connection to their team. It shouldn't be their connection to their their band. It shouldn't be connect, their connection to their theater friends or even, I, I hate to say this, families, but not even their academics. Their biggest connection, their most important connection is to Jesus Christ. Himself. And if you look at these these football players now, these guys are achieving a high level. Look at Tim Tebow. Everybody said Tim, Tim, Tim Tebow was not the best quarterback, yet he won, what, two national championships? He got NFL, he went to playoffs. Like, if he wouldn't, probably if he wouldn't have kneeled every game, he probably would still have been playing for a long time. In the, but he wasn't, arguably, was not the greatest football player, and especially not the quarterback. He had a terrible arm motion, yet God blessed him richly. You see the same thing with C.J. Stroud over at Ohio State. Like, he, he, you know, people will say, Ohio State fans, he's not the greatest quarterback they've ever had. He's not. But he achieved. The guy won a ton of games. He, you know, was in the Heisman finalists. Like, you know, these guys are achieving, and they're they're proud of their relationship with the Lord. You got Donovan Edwards at Michigan, and so you're seeing a lot of Christian athletes overachieving their physical abilities. And like, is God blessing? I think so. Like, yeah. I do think so. Now, does every Christian achieve athletically? No, because I think God has a plan for everybody, and you have a time and place for you. But for some, definitely, that's the case. And when we see that, we have to recognize that if that's not your kid, if your kid is not, if God is not blessing them that way, find out where God is blessing them. Get them in that place and watch what God can do and will do even through them. I would also say that everybody says this about Tim Tebow. I don't know about C.J. Stroud as much, but the the whole thing with Tim Tebow is Tim Tebow's always used, sports was always a tool. Sports was not the end game for Tim Tebow. It was always a tool to share the gospel. Always. And And so, like, if your kid, here's the other thing, if your kids are in sports, and they're too ashamed or they're too scared to share the gospel. That's a conversation you guys got to have as parents. Why aren't they sharing the gospel? Why aren't they talking to their friends about Jesus? Do they not have that kind of relationship with Jesus? Like, that's what we should be pushing right. on our kids. I don't care. Like, I, you and I talk about this all the time. Like, my kids are going to know beyond the shadow of a doubt that, that their mother and I love the Lord and love them and that the most important thing to, that we have, the number one thing in their life is Jesus. If if they don't choose that, then that's we can't we can't change that. But we're gonna we're not we're not gonna give it any excuse right. with what we do in the world or the way that we program our lives to not have that be the number one priority. Right. So so um yeah, well, I'm excited about continuing on this series. Yeah, I've really, I've really enjoyed that. Up. Yeah. I've really and, enjoyed uh, this series. I'm also now I'm hungry for Twinkies all yeah. of a sudden, so I don't know why, but probably because of this podcast. Right, yeah. And you were eating Twinkie Donuts. You're the, you're the hostess with the mostess. I am the hostess. <laughs> See, that's a mostest. funny joke. Yeah. What you did before was terrible. But um, And then we're out. See you next time. You're a ding-dong. 
Well, I do like it. It's a good one. I, I love Ding Dongs. <laughs> That's that was good. Great. Like, don't even, uh, yeah. don't even hate on Ding Dongs. Ding Dongs are actually great. I love it. Shama Lama Ding Dong. We're out. Shama Lama.